Hello, I'm Sarah Spiteri, and you're listening to The Well-Crafted Life, the new podcast from Homes and Gardens that considers one big question. How do we enhance our homes? And so, our lives. Every week, I'll be asking three tastemakers to share three secrets. It's a podcast that focuses as much on the little things as the big things, because a well-crafted life is made up of both. I hope you enjoy the show. This episode of The Well-Crafted Life is sponsored by Martin Moore, Classic English Kitchens. This week's theme is the power of collaboration. My experts come from the realm of lighting, textiles and interior design, and they're all fine proof that the real magic comes from working with the right people. First up, I'm talking to Andrew Hills, Porto Romana's co-founder and creative director. In addition to producing designs with leading names, Andrew set up his furniture and lighting brand with his wife, Sarah, so is truly known for his belief in partnership. My second guest is Mikhail Silver, the Israeli-born designer who has been the creative force behind Christopher Farcloth for more than two decades. She has worked on textiles collections with the good and the great of the interiors industry. Finally, I'm speaking to Mary Graham, part of design duo Salverson Graham, who has worked on product collections with Jennifer Manners, Fromental and David Seafried. We cover recipe books and retreats, design classics and natural light, and, of course, the transformative power of starch. So let's get started. I'm joined by my first guest today, Andrew Hills. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Sarah. Now, I'm asking all my guests to kick off our chat with a description of where they live and why it's special. So over to you. Sarah and I live in a fantastic house in the, in the kind of northeast part of Hampshire, uh, just where the kind of outlying bits of London and the suburbs start to properly give over to farmland. And we never thought we'd be living in such a, a wonderful place. It's a, a house that we've lived in for 10 years, but we've lived in that, in this area for the last 20 years. Um, and it's an interesting story because the first, the, the first house that we lived in, in, in Empshot Green, where we are, uh, was a beautiful cottage that we took great pride in restoring. And whenever friends came over, they, the first thing they always said was how beautiful the house next door was, um, <laughs> which was incredibly frustrating. But we also thought it was very beautiful. And the time came when that house, you know, came up for sale and we, and we were able to bought, to buy it. And, and, you know, we, we never thought that we would have the capacity to do that. And yeah. We, and what drew you to the area? Is the, you know, did you know that you wanted to be, is it the location? Is it the architecture? I think we didn't know the area when we first came across it, but it seemed like a very kind of peaceful, quiet enclave. And, and the reason that we've stayed there for so long and can't now imagine ever leaving is because it's, it's surrounded by the most beautiful countryside and, and, and hundreds of paths and bridleways. And we've had so much fun exploring those. And, and we still find, you know, kind of that we, we can get lost within sort of a few miles of, of home. So it's just one of those little backwaters that's little known, but absolutely kind of precious to us and, and with what we've done that I mean, we've built a we've, we've kind of created well Sarah has created the most beautiful garden there and we have sort of rebuilt our our house using all the we we actually dismantled this kind of you know quite lovely house and and rebuilt it using all the uh original materials and and wow so we're, we're fully invested in in yeah. that place and in, in that area and we absolutely adore it 
Now, one of the secrets you shared with me before our conversation was the value of a place of retreat in a house. Yeah, well, I mean, I think particularly, Sarah, you know, during during lockdown, being at home for a lot of the time, you know, brings its own kind of um, tensions and strains and, and, and fun as well. And, and we had the most fantastic uh, summer. But being all together in a house, no matter how big it is it's of course it's kind of quite important to have somewhere uh to run to and and to have a bit of your own downtime and I know we're Sarah and I are so privileged because she has her um painting studio Sarah is really an artist uh whose painting career was interrupted by the fact that she happened to have a very successful business in in (laughs) but she's now gone back to being you know an artist and she paints all day you know every day and she has her studio to go to and um when she's in there she's absolutely absorbed in what she's doing and 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 totally immersed in it and it's a it's a wonderful distraction and i you know when we built our house i i wanted to have a room that i could kind of go to and do all my things and it's and i and i because i love the godfather films sarah i modeled it on vito corleone's study and it's all painted kind of black and it has very dark wooden shutters on the windows and it's and it's full of books it has I have sounds four epic enormous bookcases and these beautiful uh dark american walnut doors and it's it's a i love the room it's really dimly lit it's totally impractical because you can hardly see what you're doing in there. but i have That's- a desk lamp um, Perfect. That's br- and why the Godfather? What is it about the Godfather? I t- oh gosh, I mean, I could talk for a long time about the Godfather films, but I, you know, I think it's an epic tragedy that covers, you know, most of life's, you know, major themes, and I think a lot of men find it quite sort of. I don't know. There's a lot to learn from it in terms of, you know, morality and leadership and respect uh, and family. And it's a very flawed story, but I love it. And I find it so rich and detailed that I I can watch it endlessly and always find something new in it. I'm going to have to go and have another watch. Now, we we, you mentioned sort of Sarah working with you in the business. Can you tell... And obviously, she now focuses on her painting. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of the birth and development of Porta Romano? How, you know, how you've got to where you are today? Porta Romana was really built on on a love story between Sarah and I because when we when we were in our mid twenties, uh, I totally fell in love with her and she didn't with me. But we were we we were very close friends and uh, and for some reason one day she rang me at work and asked me if I would go and live in Italy with her because we were just at that time of life where you either carry on doing what you're doing in your mid-20s and in my case that was an office job and Sarah was working at the BBC uh, I had qualified as a barrister um, and and she asked me if I wanted to go and live in Italy with her and to me there was no you know the, there was only one answer to that question so the two of us went to live in Florence and we had the most amazing year of totally rethinking our lives I suppose and yeah we we were very um, influenced by all the beauty of Florence and we decided we lived in a street which was full of little workshops producing sort of hand-painted furniture and little carved wooden objects and things that we adored and we were totally sort of carried away with the um, idea of doing something creative ourselves so so we came back to England after a year in Florence and and we just you know starting from my 
my mum and dad's garage in in uh, in Surrey, we started painting furniture, and and that that was a pretty hopeless business model actually because we were buying old pieces, and each one was individual, and it it, it was a very kind of you know time consuming. But we adored sure. doing it, and we and we did have some success. In fact, we had all the windows of Liberties on Regent Street filled with our painted furniture. Really, that's yeah. And it was what, what year was that then? That would have been like 1989. Um, yeah, and it was you know it was quite a thing. But we we it wasn't really a viable business. But the two of us developed a kind of um, sense of style together that was then able to be kind of you know, translated into lamp bases and other pieces of furniture. And, and the business became a little bit more um, kind of repeatable and a, a, sure. a bit more commercial. But the thing that, that kind of made it work, I think, was a combination of the, the style and aesthetic that Sarah and I developed together and the amazing artists and makers that we managed to find up and down the countryside to, to to make things for us. I want to talk to you more about that. But before we do, um, could you tell us your second secret, which is a painting? Tell us about that and how that enhances your everyday. Well, when Sarah and I were just getting started with, with Portra Amara and we were completely in love with, you know, everything Italian, um, we went to Sotheby's and we bought a a sort of... We loved Renaissance paintings and we bought a copy of an Andrea del Sarto uh, painting of St. Agnes. And it was in a it was in a shockingly dreadful state of dilapidation. Um, but it, it was what we could afford. And we really liked the scale of it and the subject. And and we found a restorer. And finally, she invited us to come to her studio to see this. You know, what we had last seen as an absolute ruin of a painting. And we literally couldn't believe it when she opened the door and unveiled it. We couldn't believe the transformation that she brought to bear on that picture. And it just looked so different to what we had sort of last seen. And it was so exciting to see what how new life could be sort of breathed into something. And I think that that, that, that painting, which hangs in our sitting room and I look at every day, um, you know, kind of for me, that really sparked an interest in how you can bring things back to life and i actually love you know myself getting hold of old pictures or picture frames yeah furniture and and playing around with them and and kind of giving them a new life in fact at the weekend this is really tragic but at the weekend i had bought i had bought a collection of old um penguin paperback books from the like 50s and the 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 ones with the green spines were all oh yeah crime stories and i bought them because in my new business, I, I'm decorating cottages, and I thought they'd make lovely decor. So I spent all weekend repainting the spines, so they look how really brilliant, and they looking good, and they look fantastic now. It's one of the reasons that we launched the the Porta Romana Upcycling Club because yeah. you know anything that is made with you know anything that's really beautiful and made with really fine materials should have an infinite lifespan, and it should be able to just go on forever. So the Porta Romana Upcycling Club is about allowing customers to bring their pieces back to us and we can restore them for them back to their sort of original condition and give them a completely new lease of life and that that in a, from a sustainability point of view absolutely is that really matters to us that's what I was about to say and I think well all these things craftsmanship kind of local supporting local makers um and sort of buying for life or, or longer um do tie in very neatly to a kind of sustainability um narrative which is obviously very important to everybody yes um 
that with these tales of craftsmanship, you know, when I think of Porta Romana, I think, you know, materials, craft, but I also think collaboration, which is, um, you know, the theme of today's episode. Why do you think there is such magic in partnership? I think that, you know, one has one's own aesthetic, which can be quite sort of, you know, limited. You, you know, we all... We all, in our business, Sarah, we all love to be surrounded by beautiful things. And I think we've all got a very strong sense of, you know, what we love. Um, But certainly from a creative perspective, um, we rely heavily on, you know, other people to add to our sense of what works and what looks good. And in fact, you introduced me recently to to Linda Baronke, and it's been really interesting talking to her about about, about her designs and and ideas because they're so different. Yeah, that's why I thought it would make a good good connection because you both have a very strong aesthetic, but a and an equally beautiful one, but I can, yeah, I can see something quite delightful. I'm so glad that's progressed. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and it's sometimes you know you look at things and they are shocking when you first see them, but you then can warm to the idea of somebody why somebody else loves that. And I think that collaborations are all about opening your mind to, you know, a kind of a greater variety of design, and that that's that's kind of from the you know the the creative and design perspective but we also really value the collaborations that we have with all our makers the you know the glass yeah. blowers and the metal workers and the and the casters and the sculptors because they too when you take an idea to you know a metal worker say for a, a beautiful textured metal table base they have so much experience of working with that material and have made so many things themselves that they inevitably add something you know precious to the whole evolution of that design. Linking back to your home, and I'd like to hear you to tell us about your um, your third secret. And, you know, it, it, it's about a recipe book. No matter how beautiful our surroundings, why why are our homes not just like hotels? You know, what's the difference? And I, and I think that the difference is that, you know, uh, your home is like a painting and it's made up of thousands of tiny brushstrokes. Uh, and sometimes you remember how those brush marks were applied and sometimes you can't but you kind of know that you were probably there when it happened um so all the things around you in your home are like a constant reminder of all the people that are closest to you and all the people that have been through those doors and all the amazing things that have happened there and i was telling you about uh, a little um recipe book that my my sister gave Sarah and I in 1987 when we were leaving to go to Italy she gave me this little handwritten recipe book and it was called helpful hints for a happy kitchen and in it it had because we we couldn't really cook and we were going to live you know abroad yeah thought it would be really nice to put together some of her and her friends favorite recipes and put them into this little book so there were probably about 15 recipes in there from friends of hers and friends of ours um and since that time, that recipe book got completely filled up. And now we're on to our sort of third volume. Um, but Is there a particular recipe you always go to in the book? 
Well, there are so many, Sarah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there, there, there's the Nazi Goering, which was Sarah's mother's. Sarah's mother died, you know, 18 months ago, and her, oh. her Nazi Goering recipe is in there. And there are three, three recipes um, from three Italian girls that I taught in Italy. I was teaching English for a while, and and I had these three delightful students who all wrote recipes for me. They were Italian recipes, but they had to write them in in their sort of pidgin English they were they were very and, and, and I adore reading those and I love the you know we've we I don't know if you've ever been to that restaurant there's a there's that chain of restaurants principally in Paris called the Entrecote Relais and they just I have yeah the secret sauce and we've had so many attempts at trying to copy that secret sauce and all the rest <laughs> yeah. of this book with various comments about how successful or not they are oh Andrew that's such a wonderful insight and I think you know what you know your your tales of your love story your trips to Florence materiality importance of connection I think so much resonates with you know the way we can live and the way we can, you know, small things that we can do um, to sort of conjure um, a more comforting and comfortable um, place at home. So thank you so much for your time. I just want to interrupt to talk to you about Martin Moore. Specialists in bespoke kitchen furniture, Martin Moore is known for classic English design with an elegant, timeless style. Committed to excellence and British craftsmanship, all their kitchens are custom designed and handmade to order in their UK workshops. To find out about Martin Moore and their kitchens, head to their website, martinmoore.com, or follow them on Instagram at martinmoordesign. My second guest today is Mikhail Silva. Welcome, Mikhail. Thank you so much for joining us on The Well-Crafted Life. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. I'd love you to open by sharing with us a little bit of detail about your home. We've been very lucky to live in a wonderful house that we uh, had an extension done about 10 years ago. And so we sort of uh, have this huge living space uh, in uh, this tremendous uh, garden. And the inspiration was the Barcelona Pavilion by Miss van der Rock that was designed in 1929. It's not divided, it's just one big space with lots of light. So we have two walls, completely glass and skylights. And light is something that's very, very um, essential. It's very important for my well-being. And we're, we're very lucky to be surrounded by trees and flowers and some birds. Um, and we have some singing in the morning when we wake up. So that's quite lovely. It sounds magical. Whenever I think of Christopher Farcloth, I think of, of beautiful colour. And is that something that, you know, you do you find inspiration in your home for the colours that you weave into your collections? It's such an interesting question because actually my house is, it has a very monastic feel to it. Very few elements and um, there's no, I don't collect things. And actually the house for me is a sanctuary. It's my shelter. I sort of, I get inspired by traveling, by meeting people, going to museums. And when I come home, I just want to, it's a place where I can process those ideas, memories. I, I'm passionate about color and it comes from just being in nature and being surrounded by great art. And that's where color and inspiration really comes from. 
That's so interesting. And it sort of links us to your first secret, which um, you've entitled Life is a Journey. We walk through life and we accumulate memories and ideas and we talk with people. And through that, we purchase certain items that follow us and become part of who we are. And then certain uh, elements sort of disappear. And I think our taste and our style evolves with that journey that we are doing. And for me, the house has to evoke those ideas, those memories, that journey that um, we are doing, we're taking through life, the people we're meeting, the lifestyle that we're living, where we're living, how we're living, it comes across in uh, the choices you make in your house. So what I feel is that we need to allow for time and space when we uh, design our house. We don't have to uh, get everything done in one year or two. One of the first purchases that I did, uh, without even knowing who it is and what, I was just so drawn to it. I was in my late 20s and I bought the Wink chair and it was designed in the early 80s. And this is a chair that traveled with me from Israel to where I was born and grew to to New York, where I spent six years, then to to Paris, and then finally to to England. And there are certain pieces that didn't make this journey, but this chair is still a favorite chair in the house. And that's sort of an example of how an item becomes part of your life, part of your um, journey. Uh, for me, literally through different continents. I I couldn't agree more. I think it's really um, wonderful how sort of design can be part of your story. Um, Today's episode, we're focusing on the power of collaboration, which obviously for Christopher Farcloth is such a key part of your DNA. What do you look for when it comes to a partnership? What draws you to a new partner? You know, I don't have one good answer. You know, we came across the archival collection of Raoul Dufy by Serendipity. I was looking for something and I came across a few of his uh, drawings and then I sort of researched that and I found out that he, uh, in 1914 to 1928, he was working with the fashion industry and designing and producing fabrics. And then there's certain people that I'm really interested in their work. For example, Kit Kemp is a great example. I've, you know, we've been working for several years together. She was purchasing fabrics from us. And I was drawn to this eclectic element in her design and how with all that mixture, there's always this kernel, there's always that one idea that follows through and can, and is very, very personal to the way she looks at design. So I met with her and we started to spend time together and just talking about what we like in life and what we love to eat and our kids. And that's through that friendship almost, uh, we started talking about collaborating and then we decided to do one collection and I thought that was going to be one collection and that's it and then that we've been working together for eight years so they're just sort of different ways but mostly I think it's very very important that you uh, spend time with the artist the designer you get to know them and then you just let them work and let them design a collection that they feel is relevant to what they're interested 
at this moment. I think you're absolutely right. It's the sort of chemistry um, that, you know, when you connect with somebody and there's sort of, the, that's where the kind of magic happens. I should move you on to your second secret, which um, you've entitled More Is Less. So tell us about that. I don't collect, I don't have a lot of furniture or a lot lots of pieces of art i have very a few items and i find that the choice actually is more important than how many do you have of so i would and i like that sort of mixture that um is not always so um coherent so like i have that wing chair and then we have uh an alto chair completely made out of wood which was designed in 1931 with the vna uh sofa by ron ara that's sort of very much uh part of the late 2000s when he um designed it for the show uh his major show at the vna museum and it has a very organic feel to it so i feel that, that you're just having those three elements in the living room with the egg table and a, a beautiful christopher rug it really makes the room so you don't need that much less is always more i see that when i cook I like to cook with very specific ingredients, not too many textures and too many flavors, but something that has, there's something very pure in the way I uh, live, in, in the way I design and the way our collection is actually. It's, you know, a few items and we put it together. They're well edited. Yeah, I agree. And I think it, it does dovetail with the sustainability conversation, you know, in kind of, we try to encourage people to, as you say, kind of buy less, but buy better or, you know, invest in good design that does transcend trends and, you know, is, is made to last and kind of becomes very much part of your story. That actually links us on very neatly to your, to your third secret and that ethos and around kind of God is in the detail. I think it's something you obviously see in your in your product, but also, you know, clearly translates also into how you kind of enhance your home. It's a sentence I use a lot, and uh, it's was it was sort of used by Miss Van der Rohe again when he talked about how he put elements together. And so God is in the details in terms of really being more pure and more meaningful about the choices you make. And uh, I think we we do that, um, and we try at least in every collection to to eliminate, to, to look at the essence of the design. Mikhail, that's so interesting. I, you know, you've inspired me to go and edit and curate my home and, you know, find the kernel. So thank you so much for your time um, and your insights. It's been really generous of you and thank you for opening up your mind. My final interviewee on today's episode on collaboration is Mary Graham. Hi, Mary. It is wonderful to have you here. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, as you know, the podcast is all about how we enhance our homes. So where do you live and why is it special to you? 
So I live in a Georgian farmhouse up in North Yorkshire um, and I only moved here about a year ago. It's at the end of a track looking out over the river and farmland and lakes. So it's really peaceful and a beautiful setting. Um, it's a typically sort of square farmhouse building with some really lovely Georgian details. But essentially, it's a really humble building designed for practicality rather than showing off. And then on the inside, it's all about comfort and the essence of home to me. So being surrounded by objects that mean something to me or remind me of someone or somewhere special. Um, we're also in the process of doing an extension at the moment, which is very exciting. And I can't wait to get the kids out of the drawing room I and bet. the smarter side of the house so I can have a bit more of a grown up escape um, there because at the moment they're everywhere. And what kind of style are you going for with the extension? Are you going to do something quite contemporary alongside the Georgian or are you thinking about doing something quite sensitive? Yeah, so we thought about contemporary, but um, as I think Nicole will probably tell you, I'm I'm definitely the, the less contemporary of the two of us. And um, we live in a really lovely area with stone barns and things attached to the house. So we felt actually it was more sensitive and appropriate to do something made of the natural materials. So lovely. it's an extension with cobble, which is um, from the riverbed locally. So cobble and brick uh, and designed to really blend in with the farm buildings that attach to our house. So it's, it's halfway up and it's looking amazing. It's very exciting. Oh, that's brilliant. That actually links to one of the um, the first secret that you shared with us, which is designing for myself. I definitely think it's something to do with, with growing older and growing up because generally I'm less concerned about what other people think, whether that's, you know, the fashion choices you make or um, what you read or what your house looks like. And I think a lot of people fall into the trap of decorating a house because they want other people to like it or to say it looks sure. good or show it off on Instagram. Um, but you're the person who lives in it. So it's really about being comfortable with what it means to you. And I think that can take quite a long time to get to that point, actually, of, of understanding that. So, you know, it's how you want to feel, what you want to look at, what you want to be surrounded by, and how you want to live. And I definitely think this last year has has thrown a lot of those issues into relief for a lot of us. Me, because I've just moved to the country from London, but obviously because the last year has... Um, has had its challenges for, for everyone. The other reason I thought you'd be a lovely addition to this episode is not only because you work with great brands, but also because your whole business you know, model is based on collaboration. How did you and Nicole start to work together? Yeah, so we met at university um, a long time ago now. Every year it gets further into the uh, past. And then we both, after university, did various different things in London um, and then discovered that we were in the same industry. So sort of got back in touch and would meet to chat interiors. And then when Nicole left to have her first baby, after that, she set up on her own and we chatted about whether we both wanted to be on our own and then decided that exactly as you're saying, collaboration and having someone to be creative with and share ideas with was so much more appealing to both of us than than doing the job on our own. And do you have a sort of go-to description for your look? Do you kind of say that there's a sort of signature to the Salvas and Graham look? Yeah, I think something we're really trying to focus on now, and particularly as we've been establishing our brand, is, is creating what we're calling future heritage interiors. So okay. um, spaces that are classically beautiful and carefully curated, but still feel stylish and comfortable now, but also in the future. So it's really about not just designing for the moment, but designing for 
you know, the next generation and whether that's in terms of an enduring look or using sustainable materials and quality materials, that's what we really want to focus on. So it's it's definitely a quintessentially British look, very comfortable. We love to layer colour and pattern quite playfully. Could you tell us about how you use flowers in your home as your second secret? Yeah, flowers is something. I've always loved flowers. But again, over this last year, spending more time at home and and living in the country, I just find they can really transform a room and really lift the spirits as well. Um, So whether that's, you know, from a florist or online or from the garden, and I'm lucky now living in the country that I hardly ever buy them because it's really amazing what you can find at any time of the year, um, sort of foraging. So that's something that I enjoy doing as well. And I like doing that with my daughter too and getting her sort of involved in the um, outside. But they're just so positive. And for me, you know, flower arranging now that I live in a slightly bigger home and collecting vases and different things to put them in has actually been a real source of pleasure um, and something that's, yeah, that's definitely quite new to me this year, I'd say. Are you living in nature a lot more now you're out in Yorkshire? Yeah, definitely. Um, And I've always been quite a sort of country person. So even when I was living in London, you know, I'd always go to Richmond Park or one of the parks at the weekend to get my little fix of nature. Um, But I'm really loving it. And last year I found actually during the first lockdown, being in the countryside and seeing spring unfold before me was amazing and actually a real gift. And I don't think I've ever been in the same place throughout the course of spring to see it happen. You know, usually you're so busy dashing around or or traveling and busy with work that to actually look out of my window or go for a walk and see the same plant kind of start from nothing to full bloom or animals being born, you know, it sounds cheesy, but it was really, really special um, and something I'll always remember. Have you found your sources of inspiration have changed over the, you know, as we're now looking much more locally, um, sort of by necessity? Um, are you are you seeking inspiration elsewhere where you, where before you might have found it from travel or a gallery or exhibition? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think definitely for me, you know, nature, because I'm so much more immersed in it now. But I think we're really um, focusing on our UK suppliers a lot more because, you know, we haven't been able to travel to see international suppliers and also focusing on supporting UK businesses. You know, now more than ever, they need us to be supporting them, promoting them, using their products to keep businesses going. So I think that's been quite a strong focus for us this year. Um, And then because we haven't been able to go to places, definitely social media has been important in keeping us up to date with um, new products, suppliers, different inspiration. And almost that's been how you've traveled, you know, by yeah. doing it virtually. Um, but I do, yeah, I definitely miss traveling. And I think, you know, thinking about the people you've partnered with and collaborated, were they sort of friendship? Did that, was did that was that born from sort of friendships with makers or suppliers? And then you thought, actually, we can, we can co-create something, say, for instance, with Jennifer Manners and your wonderful rug. Yeah. Um, so with Jennifer... 
We actually had only recently met her when we started talking to her about the rug. But I think the thing for anyone who's met Jennifer, she is incredibly enthusiastic and positive. And we only had to suggest this rug. And and she was sort of like, yes, great. You know, let's do it. Brilliant. And it just snowballed from there. And it's turned into a really great uh, working relationship, but also friendship as well. Yeah. And a a sensation. I mean, it it keeps on going. We've, We've just been chatting to her today, actually, about some other ideas for some more things in the pipeline. So, yes, very um, a sort of joining of like-minded people, I would say, with Jennifer. It's been a real pleasure to work with her. And thinking back to your own home, you know, do you have a favourite room? Do you have a, you know, I know it's quite new to you, your Yorkshire home, but Mm. have you found a a spot or a retreat? Yes, I think, well, I've sort of got two. One is, bizarrely, my pantry, which I painted in a really bright yellow. And again, spending more time at home this year than I would normally do and more time cooking and things. I've just found a real pleasure in having that room. Um, I'm very jealous. yeah, just you you start just living a bit differently when you've got, you know, I don't have any food in the kitchen. It's it's all in a different room and you you think that sounds like it's inconvenient, but actually it works really well. So I've I've loved discovering pantry life. Um yeah. and then also our drawing room which as I said, once I finally elbow the children out, sure. um I'm really looking forward to, you. but already it's it's that kind of room. Once once you finish the day's work and put the kids to bed, you know it's it's a lovely place to be quiet. And I've done all the things that I I didn't have in London, like five amp dimmable circuits and all the oh, things brilliant. that we do. Yeah, we do for our projects, but um, often don't have in our own home. So it's been really lovely to do to do those things, and it, it works very well. Yeah, as a as a lovely room, and it's it's peaceful. It's got John Quill on the walls by Edward Bulmer, which is such a pretty mm, pink gorgeous. Color. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, I always think of um, think of you two and the advice to put pink on your ceiling over dining room. Yes. Um, I'm desperate yeah. to do a dining room and put um, Edward Bulman's pink, either John Quill or Christian Nymph or something on exactly. my, my ceiling. <laughs> well, that's what Nicole's got in her house and it looks fab. And, and I've long been told um, by sort of previous employers that pink is such a flattering colour for a dining room by candlelight, especially. Now, um, we probably should move on to your final secret, which I'm going to let you introduce because it's so fab. Yes. Um, well, when I was thinking about my secrets, I thought I'm denied about whether I confess this one, but it is starch. Um, so I discovered spray starch a couple of years ago. And I just think never underestimate the power of a crisply ironed hand towel and a freshly made bed. It, it can lift the spirits no end. Um, and recently I found, again, it's a bit like dressing smartly, even when you're just working from home, it really puts you in the right frame of mind. And it's the same thing, you know, you make your bed with fresh linen and you feel like you're set for the day. And I think this is another thing where I've just started taking pleasure in those small details around the home. I'm using, you know, in our guest loo, I'm getting out all the nice antique linen hand towels that I have. It's only us and our kids using them. Um, And normally those are reserved for best. But I find now, you know, get out those things that you love and you've been collecting and are beautiful and use them. Well, you know, there's no good them sitting in a drawer somewhere and not seeing the light of day. So, yeah, Yeah, a crisp bit of ironing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. You've taken us on a wonderful journey to Yorkshire. We're all going to be filling our homes with flowers and crisply made beds. So, yeah, thank you for your time. I really enjoyed chatting. That's all from us on this collaboration-themed episode of The Well-Crafted Life, a future homes production from Homes and Gardens, sponsored by Martin Moore. 
I'm Sarah Spiteri. My editor is Matt Gibbs. I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.